Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. Well, hello. Welcome, everyone, to Latinidad Posadas. Uh, mental health is a priority, and uh, I am here with Rocio Perez, uh, Señorita Unstoppable. Hola, Rocio. How are you doing this morning? Yes, I am amazing. So excited to be here and touch such an important topic in our comunidad, Oscar. You know, something that we really need to talk about, bring it out to the forefront, and really embrace our humanity. You know what? You're right, Rocio. And, um, you know, this is obviously the the holiday seasons, which is, you know, the happiest time of the year, right? Uh, Christmas and just the holidays, New Year's, right? But it's also a time where there is a tremendous amount of stress, a lot of anxiety, and particularly um, within the uh, our Latinx uh, community. And, um, you know, as, as I was personally thinking about this topic, I mean, the mental health is certainly something that um, has affected my family, uh, for me personally, and uh, just my family in general. In fact, um, I remember my mother for a long time did not have health insurance. And, um, uh, and she was just you know, at least not knowing. Okay, now now I know, but back then I didn't know. She was just very moody and, you know, as we say in Spanish, bien corajuda or this and that. And she was just, you know, and, and what it came down to it is my mother actually suffered from depression. And she, like I said, she did not have health insurance. So she relied on public um, health services, the county health services. And I mean, you went to the county hospital and you, I mean, I wouldn't even say you have to be on your deathbed. I mean, you pretty much have to be probably in your last heartbeat before they even take you in. Right. And my mom, I would I would go with her because I was her translator and she would see the doctor. And usually it wasn't the doctor that she would see. It was a like a resident doctor, right? And, uh, and then the, the actual doctor would come in probably for maybe three minutes, just kind of overall assessment type of thing and give her some medication. And then the, the doses wasn't really helping my mom. And my mom would have to wait 30 days or longer for the next appointment. And over time, I came to realize that when you are um, on medication, you need that constant, frequent interaction with your doctor to be, you know, adjusting medication. And anyways, you know, just this experiences that my mom went through, right? And I think it's a lot uh, similar experience that, that many in nuestra comunidad experience. And I think sometimes, Oscar, like I personally, I didn't have any idea what mental health was about. Like nobody in my familia ever spoke about it. And I remember when I was 25, Oscar, I had like the hardest year ever. In a period of six months, I had, I was in a head-on collision. I lost my grandmother who I had barely known for just a handful of, less than a handful of years. Creo que la conocía tres años. And I had looked for her my entire life. 
there was suicide, there was death, there was so much. And I slowly started spiraling downhill. Y no sabía, like, nadie sabía cómo ayudarme. Like, nobody knew how to help me, right? And I could imagine, like, throughout the years, I've been hearing how people have been getting help. And I'm like, wow, like, in mi familia, we never talked about such an important topic. And I felt mm -hmm. like I lost a part of my life, i.e., because I didn't know there was help. And today I do. And that's really what we're bringing out here to the forefront, to have esa plática auténtica. This is part of our life, and it should be part of our familia. And it's, it should be everyday conversation to know, ¿estás bien? You know, hay algo que te puedo ayudar. And just like we get up in the morning and take care of our overall health, los levantamos, los bañamos, we're taking care of ourselves. Our mental health is as important. And especially during this time of the year where there may have been a lot of loss throughout the year in many different forms. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. Well, we are happy. Thank you for sharing that personal story there. And um, folks, we are thrilled to bring you some incredible speakers today, some professionals uh, that are going to be touching on some very important topics as, uh, and, um, And so uh, I'm going to turn it over to, I think, or I think we'll turn it over to Angelica, which I call Angelica uh, 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 my Wizard of Oz, you know, because she's always yeah. behind the scenes <laughs> taking care of things. And so Angelica, you are going to be running the show here uh, for us today. So why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce our first mm -hmm. speakers and topic. Of course, about time I have some control here. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me go ahead and add our speakers onto here. Give me just a second, because let's get the people of the hour up here, the real people who will be talking today. Awesome, got you all up here. Okay, let me go ahead and give you everyone a small introduction here before we get into this amazing panel. So today I have with me Adriana Rosales. She is a seven-time author and has been featured as one of Forbes expert panelists and is a Forbes coach council member. Her most recent book, American Girl Short Stories on Politics, Religion, and Latinidad will be launching in the summer of 2022. In this book, she explores the most controversial topics of our time and puts into play everything she's learned as a leadership coach and entrepreneur. That also is Dr. Lisette Sanchez. She is a bilingual and bicultural licensed psychologist, coach, and speaker based out of Southern California. She is the founder of Calcia Wellness, a virtual practice providing individual therapy, coaching, and mentorship services. And with us as well is Hilda McClure. She's a licensed professional counselor associate who specializes in working with children, adolescents, and young adults. Hilda's passion for teaching elementary school students drove her to pursue avenues to help children, youth overcome traumas and mental health challenges. I'll go ahead and hand it over to Adriana. Thank you so much, Angelica. This is an exciting conversation. porque um, clearly we need to have this conversation in our in our community. And I was delighted when, when Oscar brought it up and I said, oh my goodness, es tiempo, no es tiempo to have this conversation, and especially with um, this amazing panel. Um, and I want to start off with um, asking the, the bigger questions. So before we get we get into it, um, let's let's discuss the topic of, uh, about mental health. What is it? Because 
I had first heard the term 10 years ago. I didn't even realize that this was, this was something I th and I believe that it has something to do with the fact that I'm uh, Latina and it just was never discussed. And once I uh, got a grip on what mental health was, uh, I realized that, oh my goodness, my entire family um, in my close units, everybody had some type of mental health issue from alcoholism to uh, schizophrenia, to bipolar, to dep severe depression. Um, and the list can go on and on just within my family. And, uh, and I'm, I'm happy, like I said, that we're having this conversation now. So let's, let's start with that particular question. What is mental health? And um, Dr. Lisette, if you can guide us on what uh, your, your take is on when we talk about mental health, what, what is it that we're specifically talking about? Yeah, thank you so much, Adriana. And yes, and such an important question. It's so important to think about what is mental health? What does this mean? And you mentioned that your family experienced a few different challenges. And oftentimes that's what we think of. We think of the bigger challenges. We think of depression, we think of severe anxiety, we think of schizophrenia, alcohol, substance use. But with mental health, it also comes down to stress management. How you manage the day-to-day -day challenges that you experience and the wellness around that. It's really holistic. We, we do so much to take care of our bodies, we exercise, and it's so important to do that for our minds. We live in an environment where we have so many responsibilities, so many obligations, and especially now when we're connected it, with me, social media and with everything, we might feel pulled in so many different directions. Work-life balance is part of mental health and wellness and finding that. And so just to get us a little bit started, I love to destigmatize it and I love to challenge that, you know, mental health, no es cosa de locos. Mental health is for everyone. Mental health is when I wake up and I, I have the blues because it's a little bit of a rainy day and I want a little, I'm just like, you know what I need to make myself feel better? I need a warm, hot chocolate. I need that. And that is your mental health, really listening to those internal needs. And so I'll pause there because I'm sure that Hilda might want to share a little bit more about her perspective. And I'd love to hear that as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you covered it all. But yeah, it's like what we it's what we do. It's basically who we are. Mental health really is the what we see in others is is mental health. And mental health is really like an umbrella over um, even our physical health, because we are seeing in recent research that our physical health affects our mental health and vice versa. Um, mental health can also affect our physical health because trauma gets stored in our body. So mental health is really like the overcompassing of the wellness of who we are, how we feel, how we act, how we relate with others. Um, our life experiences go into our mental health. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And it is it is broad and it is all encompassing all of these things that both of you mentioned. So um, the next question uh, relates to our, our community and our culture. So how do you both uh, feel that the Latinx culture values of resilience impede seeking mental health services? And this is a big question because I know that when I was growing up, um, when I would say, and when I struggled with, with depression early on in my teens, and but I didn't know that I was depressed. I just thought that that's the way it was. And, um, and I also realized once I came across uh, what anxiety was and what, uh, what panic attacks were, I realized that I had had those since I was a teenager, never knowing. I didn't know until my 30s because it was normal. It was normal for me to live in this, in this state. And, um, and when I would share it with my family or my mom or, you know, relatives, they were like, se te quita, se te quita, ya olvídate, you know, like, uh, cuando yo tenía tu edad, 
uh, ¿tú crees? A mí ni me preocupaban esas cosas, se te, se te quita rápido. So it was almost like within the culture, I was being told, um, don't think about it, don't worry about it, it, it isn't real. Um, and then when I, um, you know, hit rock bottom, when I actually had a, a massive panic attack, I didn't know what I was, what it was, um, I came to the conclusion that what I had been brought up to believe just simply wasn't Uh, wasn't so not right or wrong or indifferent that's just the way that my my um, my family structure wa was um, and I'm not saying that all within all of the Latino culture that's how it is but for the most part um, I saw it with all of my family friends this is to include my my Colombian friends my Puerto Rican friends my um, you know, Panamanian friends it was almost uh, culturally the same across the board so what is both your takes on on how is it impeding um, How is our culture impeding us uh, really seeking mental health services? Uh, Dr. Lisette. Okay, okay, thank you. <laughs> yes, so yeah, trying to figure out where to take turns here. But I, you know, there, there's so many nuances to when we talk about mental health and wellness. And, we, and with this, we also have to talk about the stigma, right? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the reason that maybe people will say, no, eso se te va a pasar, you know, like, just pray on it, just any, anything else. Uh, it all goes back to, you know, well, what are your perspectives around asking for help, around that independence, around what you need to do, uh, one. But it's also the stigma around, well, if I ask for help, can I trust the system that I'm asking for help in? Yeah. You know, when people come from different countries where you couldn't trust the medical system, where if you would go into the spaces, you weren't sure whether or not this information would be confidential or not. Some folks have you know, varied immigration statuses and they might be really reluctant to seek that support because what will happen to me if I do that? Um, the accessibility is also a big part of it. Sometimes you know, someone is a, a monolingual Spanish speaker and they may live in a more rural area and they may not have access to mm -hmm. a Spanish speaking therapist. And that's why I'm such a big fan of the, us being able to provide more virtual services because I used to live When I was in Oregon for my doctoral program, I was in one of the community mental health centers where I provide, provided Spanish services. Mm -hmm. And my clients who I worked with would drive sometimes an hour, two hours, because we were the closest center that had any bilingual clinicians. Wow. And so I think a big part of it is also the access in the communities that you are in. So it's the belief system around, can we trust these systems? And then it's how accessible are these systems, right? Mm -hmm. And so... That those are just some initial parts that influence how we perceive mental health, especially as a Latinx community, and how we'll access these services. But there's a, there's more to that. And so, Hilda, will yeah. you share a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that I think when we talk about the stigma, like we're we're just scratching the surface today. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think one of the things I see the most is. So we, as a Hispanic community, we value resilience. We value this idea that as a people, like we have gone through some hard things. Like if we look at these Hispanic countries and their history, right? We There's trauma there. Like there's all kinds of generational cultural trauma. And so as a people, we value like, we're going to get through this. Vamos a seguir andando. Mm -hmm. um, however, and that's celebrated even within our family culture, right? Like I remember growing up and my dad telling me like, we don't quit. No nos vencemos, and we keep going when we get into hard things. And, and I think, and that's important. Resilience is super important. However, that also prevents us from seeking mental health because it, it's, it's almost our pride. Like, it's just this idea that if I ask help, that I'm not resilient. Or if mm -hmm. I ask help, no, I'm not like strong enough or capable enough. Or, or like our whole culture celebrates us trying to like 
pull up our pants and get through it. Um, and that in of itself keeps us from getting more help when we need it. Um, and right, resilience, the beautiful part of resilience is not that we will never go through hard things or that we have to suck it up, but rather resilience is us being able to bounce back when we go through hard things. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful, it's like, if it, it's a, it's a balance. We walk the line of saying like, yeah, we can do this and we're capable, but also resilience is also saying like, I need a little bit more help. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember, uh, you know, growing up in a situation where at one time when I was in high school, my dad had broken his finger at work and he came home like that. And I remember, you know, looking through the door with my mom and was all like, no más ponte una, un bandaid. And then, te trabajar así, he went to work like that. And I remember thinking as a young kid, thinking, oh, que trabajador, you know, like, didn't even go to mm -hmm. the doctor, didn't even take a Motrin or anything, you know. And so these images yeah. stuck with me. So, of course, when I got older, I was like, yeah, you know, suck it up and do this. Yeah. And so it had become yeah. this normal way of being um, and not really, you know, realizing until later on that these were, you know, the consequence of that was uh, overworking, uh, overdoing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and suppressing a lot of my needs, my personal needs. And, and I know that no, no solamente soy yo, pero que it's within, like we all sit, we're all saying it's, it's, it's a, a, a cultural thing. So these are, these are wonderful, wonderful, um, um, you know, stories of how we can, number one, pay attention to what is holding us back. What are some tools that both of you can share on how we can get out of that? Como, como sacudemos de eso with that, with still honoring our culture and, and, but doing, doing it different. So we don't continue this pattern that isn't helping us. Uh, Dr. Lucette. Yes. Thank you. I want to, I want to highlight, there was a comment on here that says pride is such a disruptor. And, you know, when we think about the different values that people hold, it absolutely, absolutely, right? When you're really prideful and, and, and you have to kind of like begin to let go of that, to begin to ask for help, it's beginning to recognize that asking for help does not make you weak. Asking for help is to supplement the strengths that you already have and to enhance that. What it does, it helps increase your access to knowledge, resources that you were just not aware of before. We don't know what we don't know. And when we don't ask for help, we'll never know what the other options that are available to us. And so part of beginning to challenge that and, and so and building that resilience and building that is being more open to building that community for yourself and building that support. We are human and we crave connection. And when we have that connection, that builds our resilience. Because when we go to our social support, we don't just go to them to celebrate. We don't just go to them to tell them all the amazing ways that our life is going. There is also, who do you talk to when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling stressed, when you need a little bit of extra support? Not support of, se te va pasar, you'll get over it, don't worry about it, but just someone who will listen in that moment, let you grieve for a minute and say, I'm overwhelmed and say, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. Why don't you take a moment to rest? And then you come back to it when you feel ready. Yes, absolutely. What, what is your take on that? Yeah, I really, I really feel like um, Dr. Lizette really hit it on the head. And, and um, it's really, it's so ironic to me, because even within our culture, we value connection, right? I, I remember my dad, like meeting people at the gas station up the street, and then they become friends. And like two weeks later, that are they're at Thanksgiving with us. You know, just like this idea of just like bringing people in. And so as a culture, we already value connection. And it's it's so now it's like, how can we we take advantage of that and start a new conversation with 
our connections about what we need and mm-hmm. celebrating that we have those people in the first place. A lot of people don't, you know, and we value that naturally. And so how do we take advantage of that and having a different conversation? I remember a couple of years ago, I talked to my dad kind of, and I kind of got into it. Um, and that's very unlike us. We don't really, um, fight very much, but we had a really serious conversation and it really changed our relationship. And it really was about this. It was about when I call to, to tell you about stuff going on in my life. I just want you to listen. I just want Mm -hmm. you to tell me that like, it's going to be okay. I know that I can get through it. Like that is not the issue. It's like, I just want to connect with you and I want you to hear me. And it's so funny now, whenever we talk, if he's doing that with me, he'll call me out if I'm not doing it. Like if I'm not the one listening, it'll be like, ¿Te acuerdas esa vez? You know, and and it's really about how can we have that conversation with those that we love and say like, hey, we just need to, I need you to hear me out. I need you to just be there with me and and know that that is like the greatest invitation I could give you into my looking into my life is for you to sit with me instead of like trying to push me through or like get me to overcome. Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that. Someone on LinkedIn is asking a question. How do our religious beliefs help us or prevent us from uh, being mentally healthy? That's an interesting question. Hmm. Um, I think that, that, uh, you know, I want to definitely uh, give it a shot here. Uh, In terms of religion, even within our culture, I grew up Catholic and then became Protestant Christian later. And faith has always been a really big part of, of me and who I am and, and my belief in, in a higher power. And for me, it was really uh, the reason why I was able to overcome so many things uh, growing up. If I, if I did not believe that there was a higher power, I don't think that I would be here right now, to be honest. Um, so that it did impact me. Some of the for, for those of you who are out there who are children of alcoholics um, and have, you know, within your immediate family, alcoholics as well, um, it, there's such a, a ripple effect that it just doesn't just affect you uh, and, and, and it affects your children, your chil- your, the, the children of your children. It's, it's this uh, interesting um, dynamic and ripple effect uh, with generation after generation. And unless someone within that generation stops it and decides um, that they're going to do life different, um, it can be it can be pretty uh, terrible. And uh, for me, the 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 my belief in 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 God was a was a big was a big um, was a a big reason why, like I said, I'm here. Um, Ella, what what is your take on that on answering that question? I think um, that we we have to hold it in balance. I do think that religion can be very helpful. I. Um, I grew up as a believer, as a Christian, um, and so that has been really a driving force for my own life and just overcoming things. But I also know that if I need brain surgery, I'm not going to go to my sacerdote, right? Like that is not, like he's not going to be able to do anything. He can absolutely pray for me, but there's reason my science exists. There's reason my doctors exist. There's reasons for like even car mechanics, right? And so it's really about, um, you know, I absolutely research shows that prayer helps research shows believing in if we're just talking on the science level, right? Like we research shows that helps, but that can't be everything. And so when we hold so tightly to those things um, and are unwilling to seek other avenues of help, that's when it starts to become an, it can become an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, and I think, again, it comes back to our community, making sure we're surrounding ourselves with others that can help keep us in check a little bit, who can call things out in us um, when things are a little bit more beyond than just talking to your priest or talking to your, um, or praying or, you know, those things are so helpful. And I will never, you know, I, as just like, as a believer, I would never dis- you know, disparage those things, but it is about mm-hmm. like, Hey, if I need extra help being willing to to do that and and knowing that like our most higher powers do want good for us mm-hmm, absolutely and i believe that you can have both you know i'm, I'm a firm i'm a firm believer of what uh, dr gabo mate uh, who specializes yeah. in drama says and he says that religion can be a conduit to really gaining higher access to you know your real true spiritual uh, knowing and you know there is a difference. Religion is algo diferente, and spirituality is algo diferente. So I think that, that within the culture, sometimes in la cultura, it's it's very hardcore religion, religion. Yeah. But in reality, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, it's really about you, your own personal spiritual walk. So um, I agree with you. There has to be that balance and that understanding that um, you know, in in terms of belief systems and religion, it can be a conduit to to something uh, bigger in you. Uh, Doctor Lisette, what is your take on it? Yeah, I think Hilda, you said so many good things there in terms of that connectedness. It, it can't, it's not, you can't just rely on your religious or spiritual beliefs. That wouldn't be enough. But what it does provide, it's hope. It yeah. provides hope. And hope is incredibly strong. And hope, when you have hope, that's part of what helps you build your resilience. That's part of what helps you really seek out that different opportunities and know that there is more. And so absolutely, I believe in the power of prayer to build hope. I believe in the, the having those spiritual beliefs, having that connection to a higher power absolutely helps with building that hope for folks. And, but it's also recognizing that in that hope, it's yes, it's wonderful and it's helpful, but you also have to think, take matters into your own hands into what is in your control to change uh, instead of just waiting for change to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. So both, um, and I just took that question porque apareció allí. Dije, yeah, let me ask yeah. me and so the other, one of the other questions that we have here is, how do we manage our family members who make remarks that dismiss our experience? So for example, um, uh, you know, last year I was going through a, a really tough time with, you know, I'm going through pre-menopause, I'm 46, so I'm feeling a lot of interesting things in my body and I'm just like, ¿Qué es esto? And then nobody in my family, and, and all the women, it's all women in my family, uh, six women, no, nadie habla de eso. And like menopause is a real deal. It's a real thing. I'm not embarrassed to talk about it. You know, I'm 46. I'm going through, and so I'm sitting on the couch and then I tell my mom, no, mom, no me siento bien or whatever. Después se te quita eso, se, se te pasa ya te olvidas. Mm-hmm. And I felt like so shocked because I thought, well, this is some serious stuff going on with me. <laughs> now I'm laughing about it, right? Because I did, you know, I had to do my own research and I believe in functional medicine and, you know, follow a lot of functional medicine doctors and I'm doing the holistic route and I'm taking herbs and, you know, I'm, I'm you know, a prayer warrior. And so all these things go hand in hand, you know, but the fact that she dismissed me uh, was really painful. And at the same time, I had to ask for forgiveness for her uh, and said, oh, pues, she's from a different generation y no entiende lo que está pasando aquí conmigo. So that I dealt with it by just honoring her because she was my mama. And I said, pues, ¿qué puedo decir? No, no entiende lo, lo que estoy pasando. And, and then I thought about it for myself. I'm like, imagínate, she had six girls and nobody ever listened to her. Who know, you know what I mean? So then I, I just felt more compassion. So that was my way to deal with it, feeling compassion for her because she just wasn't really 
having, you know, understanding what was going on with me. So Ilta, what is, what is your take on that? Um, <clears throat> oh my gosh. I just like totally blanked. I'm just like reading the comments. Remind <laughs> me, but <laughs> I'm just like, how do your, how do you manage? Oh, your I, I'm back. I'm back on track now. I'm so sorry. I just like blanked. I'm like so excited to be here. But um, so I think like having the conversation, I think, yeah, that play coming from a place of empathy is always going to be the first that would solve so many world problems if we just came from a place of empathy, if we just yeah. like were kind to one another in that in that way. Um, I think the first thing is being willing to have a conversation with our loved ones, right? My Most of our loved ones want to have relationship with us. And if we were to give them the tools to be able to better do that, I think most of our family members would be willing to do that. And we do it in a really kind way. Um, hey, when you said that, when you said that, this made, it made me feel like this, right? Putting, um, not we're not blaming them, we're not like doing any of that, but we're just letting them know that their, their actions do impact us and this is how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. And then I think that um, the next part of that is like, oh, hey, they're not, they're not listening. They're not changing. They're not. So this is big. This is the hard part, right? This is where we either start setting boundaries with our loved ones. And let me tell you that that's not popular in Hispanic culture. Setting boundaries is not a thing. We don't do that. Everyone is in everyone's business. Like, it doesn't matter that I don't live in my father's house anymore. And um, so setting boundaries is not popular. However, we have to ask the question at what cost? Yeah. When does it become too much for our own well-being, our own mental health? Is having the relationship being more detrimental to, to me than yeah. having it? And then being able to have like those maybe even harder conversations of saying, hey, if you're going to talk to me like this, like we're not going to be able to like this, this is going to look a little different. And sometimes you don't even have to talk to them about it. It's like, hey, I'm not going to go to every family event now. Because this is yeah, continuing. Exactly. Oh, I, I love that. And that's so true, girl. I'm telling you. It's a yeah. tough one. I'm I don't I'm not popular when that's the answer I give because no one wants to do that. It's very hard work to be able to do that. And how can we be comfortable within ourselves to be able to set those boundaries um, and know that that might cause a loss? Yeah, I love that. So so your take is doing definitely setting the boundary boundaries and being very um you know, with, with compassion and empathy and saying, hey, hasta aquí llego. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. What about you, Dr. Lisa, to close it up and, and wrap it up? Yes. yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, I... I think that with setting boundaries, that this is something that's newer as a society, just generally accepting and normalizing that setting boundaries is important and it's helpful. And I always talk to folks around when you set boundaries, you are communicating your needs to people. Yeah. You're you're you are saying, This is how I want to relate to you, this is how I want to connect, and this is how what feels comfortable for me. And this is hard. It's especially hard for within the Latinx expectations around um, even with gender roles because what comes to mind for example is like I'm the oldest in my family I'm the you know for daughter of immigrants and there was I was always expected to put everyone else ahead of me to be very selfless to prioritize everyone's needs from being a little girl of tu primo quiere jugar con ese juguete you have to give it to him there wasn't that do you want to can you play with something else no someone else wants something that you have and you have to give that up for them and receiving that message really early on was oh 
you don't have control over what you get to do. And I will always just tell you what that is. Oh, that's so true, girl. Oh my goodness. That's the message we receive. That's the message we receive. And so as you grow older, you start to realize, I don't have to, I don't have to do these things. I have a choice. I have a choice. And for me to really take advantage of that choice, I have to voice that to others because people can't read my mind, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes those boundaries are creating that physical space. Sometimes it's, I need space to just figure that out. And so someone asks you something you're uncomfortable with, maybe you stand up and you're like, I, I don't really want to talk about this right now. I'm going to go get, get myself another plate of food. <laughs> I'm going to get my another tamal, whatever it is, I'm going to take some space from this. And so I think there's lots of wonderful resources out there that will help you learn how to start to set those boundaries and do it respectfully. Because I know mm -hmm. respect those super important and I'm not here to go and offend my abuelita. I wouldn't want to do that. But I want to be able to express like, abuelita, I want, I want to love, I want to feel your love in this way. And this is how I feel most loved by you. And, and being able to voice that is so special. Wow, yeah. this is such amazing insight. I just love it. Everything that you touched on, both of you, both of you just gave some amazing insight and just some great tools. Um, I love having this conversation with both of you because we need to have it. We need to have more of these conversations and uh, we need to be open about it. Y, y que no nos de vergüenza porque es real. And, and we help people when we discuss these things because people who are watching this will go home and guess what? They're going to talk about it during Christmas. They're going to talk about it during you know the holidays when they get together. And um, and this is why it's important because you know we need to share the knowledge. We, we, we're, I'm a, a child of... Uh, first, I'm a first generation Mexicana and I know that when I speak other people around me listen and they learn and uh, it's important for us to do that so I want to thank both of you um, and I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up because Oscar is going to go ahead and have the next panelist on and thank you so much for both your insight and your wisdom and I look forward to doing this with you again absolutely thanks for having us Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, I think we're going to get there. We go. Rocio. I love it. Oh my Oye, God. Oscar, tantos tips in serio. Like, I love it. Mira, tengo toda una página. I mean, I'm going to read a few of them, okay? You know, yeah. what is mental health? Like, even stress. Como platicamos entre familia. How we ignore things. One of the things that really came through to me is the fact that when we know better, we do better, ¿verdad? And we still honor that respeto, that familia, the way that we grew up and say, hmm, maybe there's a way that I can communicate. Mira, I'm on fire. Hasta escalofrío me da. I'm like, I'm fire with the topic. And I know you are too. You know, like, what's impeding us? I'm going to read a few more and then I want to hear your insights. You know, um, se te va a pasar. The fact that we... We are so passive in a way, porque los da vergüenza. You know, like, mm -hmm. how do we connect from a way of, like, let's own our humanity. ¿Sabes que somos seres humanos? We're going to mm -hmm. make mistakes. We're going to grow from those mistakes. Y créeme, la idea es que Rocío parece que she's running around with her hair on fire. Y ya sabemos de cuáles estamos hablando, ¿verdad? Entre eso. But I like to know that that somos gente de confianza. We're that people of trust and faith and really connect with one another. Y sabiendo que, you know, there's different generational trauma. There's cultural trauma. There's things that we have become so resilient. Yeah, this is que lo apagamos. You know, we, we tame it down and we pretend that it's okay. You know, I love hearing the story about the broken finger. Ahí, ¿verdad? And like, mm -hmm. to know, ¿sabes qué? Hay veces que sí. We're running around with things that we can help, and yet we don't. 
because we ignore them. And I'm gonna name a, a couple more, you know, like understanding the difference between cultural religion and science, like to really know, que podemos hacer ahí? feeling compassion, like let's tap back into our humanity, tap back into knowing that there's empathy, porque todos, we have been through our own things. Y ahí te lo dejo, no, amigo, porque Rocío se puede quedar aquí hablando todo el día. This topic is so important. It really is. And, uh, you know, I just want to, again, thank uh, uh, Diana, Dr. Lisette, and Ila for just a, an amazing uh, conversation here. And, I mean, it, honestly, I, I, I could have listened to them just keep going on and on because they were just touching yes. on some very, very important topics. Um, I... Ila said something and I wrote it down and she said, resilience is saying I need more help. Um, that is so true. And, and it takes me back to the, the comment that Adriana made about her dad, you know, and, you know, finger. And you know what, what it comes down to, at least what the way my mind interprets it is that being chingon is asking for help. It's not printing it on a t-shirt. It's not printing it on your Canva image and posting it on Instagram and saying that you're chingona, chingona. It's asking for help. Also, uh, Dr. said she says also hope helps you build resilience. Hope helps you build resilience. And uh, again, they just uh, just amazing, uh, incredible conversation here. So I just want to once again just thank them. You know, drop your comments, folks. Thanks, uh, Adriana, Dr. Lisa, and Ila for just uh, uh, just a, an, an incredible conversation. And uh, we're going to turn it over back to Angelica because we have another incredible speaker coming up, and he's going to be specifically addressing the topic of mental health as it relates to men so angelica it's yours yes let me go ahead and get our next speaker up here there we go hello everyone i am back and i'm here to introduce our next speaker sergio garcia guillen is an intuitive and integrative md and master of science and theta healing he works with individuals as well as organizations to reconnect them with their inner wisdom and help them find their potential and achieve an empowering and fulfilling healthy life i'll go ahead and hand it over to you doctor thank you so much angelica that's uh Wow, this, this last conversation was so so rich, and it's like I just want to keep uh, listening to you, <laughs> the, all of you, and even the remarks from from Oscar and and everybody else. Uh, so the um, yes, I I wanted to just to first. Uh, it was so exciting all this conversation, like uh, make me think about many many things. So let's just start with a little little meditation, little bit of that list if you don't mind just just to to feel your body i want to just ring and if you close your eyes it's okay if you if you want to keep it open it's okay as well and just feel your body and the center of your body And just relax a little bit. Just feel the relaxation of your body as you are sitting in the place you are sitting and feel the weight of your body. And let's do a little, little journey. 
the center in your heart. And from that, just with your creative imagination, just start traveling a little bit to the to the center of the earth. Let's, as the earth has consciousness. Just feel the, the harmony, the equilibrium, whatever is there for you and the energy. Now, you may feel like this energy is coming to your body. You may feel it, you may feel it in, the, in your feet, in the, in the space between your toes. Just notice that as you breathe in and you breathe out with this, how this energy is coming up in your bones, in your muscles, in your skin. Just feel it, feel the emotions, how they, this energy is coming up and up your belly, to your chest, to your head, to your face. And from that, you may feel the whole body full of energy. Breathe in and breathe out. And just now you are going, you are going to create with your own imagination, something in the top of your head. You may feel it now a little weight up there, like somebody put a, a coin or the thumb. And from that, you're going to create a little bit, a little small part of you, a little version of yourself, a small one. And you just want to just free with wings, with maybe a spaceship or something like that. You're going to just travel now upwards to the outer space. Now you're going to evoke this sense of curiosity, of exploration, this amazing energy, this mood or, or aptitude to explore, to be curious about what is there. And you start just traveling upward all the way. You may cross layers of lights until you get into a big one, a white light you want to enter. You may feel now your whole body transforming into this white light. There is no shapes, just sensations, emotions, all of them in equilibrium and balance. And from that, you can see backward. You can see back the earth. This, like Carson used to say, this blue dot into the space. You may realize like whatever is there in the past, in the present, in the future, every human being, every living being, conscious being we know about has lived in there and is going to live. And from there, you may see no boundaries, limitations. You see the same air like you are now, wherever you are now, you're breathing in the same, the same air I am breathing now in here. The same air, like the dinosaur's breath, and and the is going to keep going into the future. And from this place, you you may get back to your physical body, into this white light, 
in this place, you may see, you may feel everything gets in harmony. Every worry is going to dissolve. Just like that. No effort, just the effort to be present, to be there in you and yourself. I'm going to breathe in and breathe out again, just with this. And you're going to evoke the feeling and the emotion of gratitude towards yourself. Feeling complete. But your mind, your body, your soul are just one. As you breathe in, breathe out, you feel every cell of yourself, the intelligence of yourself, your mind, your physical body, and the organs in it. In the next breathing, you might expand that energy to your community, to your family. Perhaps first your community, your beloved ones. You may see them as well through this connection without shape, just the presence of them, the community you belong, the communities you belong to, the countries, the continents, the earth. You see, there's no difference. It's just presence. Feeling just complete as nothing is, as nothing is, is left. It's just you, whole, fulfilled, complete. And as you feel that interconnection with everybody, within you and out there and outside, just you're going to get back to your physical body. Just feel again. Your feet, the way of your physical body. The movement of your chest as you breathe in and breathe out. the sound around you and keeping that emotion, that sentiment of being completed, of being fulfilled. Just, you can start opening your eyes. You can see around you. Yes, for bringing you in Well, um, I was making a lot of notes about what to talk today, especially uh, mental health is one thing. And then uh, focus, focusing that into the, the uh, it, men mental health is other thing. Then put it into the Latino community is other one, which is very, very interesting, very rich. And I think people can write books about that. And one of the things I, I, first, it's about mental. What is what is the mind? The mind. One of the there is a lot of definitions, but the one I like I like the most is the one for um, Daniel Siegel, a psychiatrist from Harvard, and because he took the time to to he was questioning himself. Was like, what? There is a lot of experts about mind, but we work about we work through the mind, but nobody's putting together this. So he uh, basically the definition of him is talking about a process a process of energy and information, gathering, processing, and making action about that. 
So, and it's a full body experience. I mean, the mind is, you know, it's the brain. It's the mind is the whole, the whole us. The, through this nervous system, we are experiencing the life by itself. But the mind is is, is beyond that. And the funny thing is, like uh, in the past, I realized like that fits very much the definition of the. In some traditions they consider like we have seven bodies: the physical body, the mental the energy body the astral and so on like seven one of them but when he's mentioned that sounds a little bit like energy body from from a hindu tradition which uh makes me think a lot about uh and also he is uh he talks a lot with other um uh i think it's uh, jack cornell cornfield uh, also like somebody who is specializing in, in uh, psycho uh buddhism psychology of buddhism and so and and this idea and how to see the the, the mind in that way is it's like um I would say it's like the 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 connection and it's like the soul actually maybe it's better to to mention the approach of of this uh, uh, soul and integrate inter integrate therapies is because we see we part there is a lot of components we have in our lives and our, our body our mind and even in the physical body we have a lot. And as we specialize in different directions, when we try to tap into the, the in the way holistically, all of them is it seems a little chaotic. So we have to to be in a in a in a center. So the center we look for is the soul. Uh, we believe like in when I say soul, I mean consciousness. The consciousness is the basic part. Is that what we define us? And then from the consciousness, the mind is just expanding, creating and the physical body and if we think about the different different decisions we're taking uh, every day uh, from we were born even from our, our ancestors we see like practically the mind is creating the body in many ways even most of the diseases have a mental component if not they they started from there and many of these things are coming from a long time and it's no not new for uh, just just we are somehow as we are uh, creating our own life we are we having those uh, influences from everywhere so in this in this regard it's important it's important to consider like the consciousness or in this case the soul is manifesting the mind in the mind the physical body and so now if i go directly to the to the topic for for men it makes me think about my grandfather uh, my my brother, by the way, is a psychologist and one of my best friends, psychiatrist. And I remember when my my brother came to my grandfather and, and my grandfather asked, "Oh, what are you doing?" And asked asked me first, and I said, "You know, I started medicine." I said, "Oh, that's good. That's good that you're doing medicine." And I said, and asked to my brother, "And so what about you?" And he said, um, "I am I am psychologist. And what is that? I know you know when people have problems, I talk with them." I said, "Well." I, why I, I why should I talk with somebody about my problems? This is my private life. So it was so funny because he couldn't even understand that. And so in in that even the mental health and and I will say um, there is something like you uh, before we said and and we're mentioning about the 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 trauma. And one of the things I see a lot is is like uh, um, trauma related migration related trauma is so common and it's so prevalent and and even there is some part of that like trauma was even before especially uh forced migration is uh, most 
I think most of the people migrate because they need to do it. Uh, there is, a, of course, a few people that are, that are doing that because business and they relocate and even they call them, we call themselves, or we call ourselves like repatriate, but actually it's, it's the same, no, it's, it's, it's migration, it's migrate to other place. And does this simple thing change to your whole life and your social life and everything to be in other place is for by itself, even if it's in the same country, can be traumatic for people. And in regards of the of men, um, I I the uh, I think um, Oscar were mentioning like he was translating from um, his uh, his mother, and this is very interesting because you know even for parents for both obviously it can be sometimes more for for men like uh, they are not anymore the head of the family and they are delegating that to a child. It can be traumatic for them or can be less stressful because they are not anymore in control of the family as, as the ancestors used to be. And and even in uh, domestic violence, they I was volunteering a couple of uh, sometimes in the shelter here. Now they, they the past was called uh, women's shelter. They changed the name because because that because there were some men coming to the and I am talking the, in the program related with with uh, Hispanic community, and there were some men coming to the to looking for help. And sadly, most of the time they were met with with hesitation and say, wow, I mean, this is for women, it's not for men. I mean, men don't have that, but yes, unfortunately, men also have uh, partners with with uh, abusive partners, and which is it's sad, but it's happening too. And so most of the life in the in the in the, the men, even physically, uh, physically, uh, the, the testosterone is very important for 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 us. And when you have a low, uh, low steam and less com and few confidence and everything, your the testosterone is lowering. So even is the hormone of the strength, and even the is part of the with with other hormones is part of the to be active, to be proactive, and that also isn't is uh, is affecting just because you are doing something like you 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 can't do anymore, especially if you are. I mean, you're prone for thousands of generations to be the head of your family and now you can't perform that so whatever is happening now in the in, the, in many societies is, is you know it's it's arranging everything so i think when we are kind with ourselves if we can understand better ourselves we can perform much better and and that is some of the things because one of these the integrative approaches taking account everything matters everything it doesn't matter it is about the food, it's about your physical body, which you can see, for example, why you're eating. If you are eating proper food, and by the way, uh, junk food doesn't exist. It exists junk and food. No, 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 there is no something in between. And even knowing, uh, I think in the past mentioned something about as we know something, we, we can do better. And, and this, um, I was thinking, for example, um, I was, uh, for some reason, I was thinking of how to how put an example, like how um, our uh, our traditions or whatever uh, new traditions we're getting from other culture are affecting our health and mental health. And I was thinking when you are looking and watching a television, by the way, uh, watching sport doesn't mean you are doing sports. It means something else, but no, you are not doing sport. And for example, think about it. Like, for example, you have a gather of guys. I mean, in this case, men, but I can be women too. And they're watching, uh, you know, football. Uh, can be soccer, can be other other sport. And you have all this adrenaline, testosterone, and every all your your body is 
it's inspired to to do something, preparing to do something, because it used to used to be like that. When you were in a battle, you you were preferred for 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 be the next one to enter into the the game. But instead of that, you are eating uh, uh, high carb uh, carbs, food, uh, uh, fat, and and alcohol, and then you are dooming your senses through alcohol. Obviously, you have to do that because otherwise you can you can hold that. You you have to do something when you got when you uh, arouse all your energy up. So makes sense you you get drunk but you when you drunk you are you are getting drunk you are dumbing all your emotions and sensations and everything so you are not conscious anymore there it's somebody else but you you are somewhere else you're you not in the, in the in the presence of gathering so even in the different uh um meetings we are having now and in, in, in the next month is is everything you are doing is affecting your mental health if you are eating properly and you can you can modify the culture and even uh in some of it where somebody was mentioning about to be proud of something and that's something i i started doing i noticed a few times um i think left for me in this but this is a huge topic i think hopefully it makes sense of something i am saying but uh just to mention something about to be proud i start noticing like okay maybe we can do a practice just you know, wherever you are now, it's just closely with your eyes, your eyes, and just think what you feel proud of, whatever it is your nationality, is your gender, and feel feel your body through that. It's like you know, maybe you imagine yourself in a you know in a in, in a place where you are stepping up and some and you say you know I am proud of my family, I am proud of my nationality, my identity. Just feel how you feel, how you your energy. How is that? Now just get back to your body. And now you're going to say the, but now I am grateful or I am appreciative of being Mexican, being American. I'm grateful because my culture, I am grateful because my family. And feel that, feel how, how's that? And now, open your eyes and you notice some difference. And in my case, everything changed. To be proud of something makes me a little bit to be defensive. Like it's it's unique. It's and it's unique to be grateful too. But in this case, it's something a more social thing. Like you know, this is way I'm feeling. Is is the best of the best. But but being grateful of your culture, of who you are, or you whatever you identify with, it has something there, something else, something that you can build up from there. Something that you can share. It doesn't matter if the other person is is agree or I mean it's uh, have different set of beliefs. It's just uh, easier energy. And some people may say, you know, as um, Rocio was mentioning, also about the. Uh, the being grateful or being uh, and the old uh, compassionate and kind. The good thing is like we can learn that even if we don't feel it, we can learn that. And I think we are in a very special time when we can definitely uh, practice and even in meditation, just to reframe that. Maybe something like 
you makes more sense for you because even some people get a little tired now and say oh this thing about compassion and about kindness and but it's not about the word it's like just sit yourself and feel it feel compassion is there i mean everybody will have that but we sometimes we get caught with the ideas of the emotions and everything oh my god uh yeah. dr sergio First of all, thank you for bringing, uh, starting us off with the meditation. Um, I saw some comments here from uh, some folks that, um, you know, they they need to learn how to meditate. I am one of those. Um, I saw Angelica uh, comment that when she meditates, she falls asleep. Uh, that's me too. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 your meditation exercise was also a reminder to me how important it is to pause and be one with ourselves and our surrounding. And, you know, even for that brief moment, it just brought a sense of peace to myself. Um, Cause I'm, I'm a very driven person. I'm constantly on the go, go, go. <laughs> and so that was a very powerful way that, that you started. Um, the other thing too, and we're, you know, our next uh, speaker is going to be talking more about this, but you touched upon the importance of talking to others about our problems. And for us, man, ideals, you know, that is one of the things that, yeah. again, I'm guilty of it, you know, that I was like, why am I even talking to someone else about my problems? They're my problems. So thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you. Yes, thank you for bringing your corazón into this. I, I really felt it. I felt the, the calmness and the grounding and the love, the compassion, the empathy. And to really have the real conversation con nuestra gente, you know, where a lot of the time we're avoiding it because of cultura, because of gender, and because the way we're supposed to show up, como pensamos that we're supposed to show up. Yeah. Pero sí, hay que traernos y hay que, you know, I love doing the guided meditation, just listening to your voice. Como que me calmó, you know, me trae aquí en este momento, and I'm like, oh, I feel centered, I'm grounded, and what a beautiful thing. So thank you for bringing yeah, thank you. everything that you do into this. Yes. Yes. No, no, no. Thank you. Um, so, folks, what a great again. Thank you very much to uh, Dr. Sergio Garcia Guillen. And um, we have our, our last speaker. And uh, who's, as you can see, she's going to be talking about uh, why talking about our problems outside the home is Healthy. Ay, Dios mío. So, uh... <laughs> Nos escondemos, ¿verdad, Oscar? Nos escondemos. Queremos, queremos tapar ahí el sol con un dedo, right? We're going to cover that, that sun right there. We're like, pretend nothing's going on, ¿verdad? Ay, sí, sí. So, Angelica, it's yours. Yes, thank you. Let's get Dr. Letty up here. Well, hello, everyone. And our next speaker is Dr. Leti Cavazos, is the founder and CEO of Caneta Center for Healing and Empowerment. Dr. Cavazos strives to lift Hispanic practitioners to provide culturally sensitive Spanish-speaking mental health services to the Hispanic community in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, and professional training to mental health providers across the country. Over to you, Dr. Leti. Thank you, thank you. Thank you guys for having me today. And what a wonderful conversation we're having. And that last conversation was so dear to my heart because my doctoral research was on male victims of domestic violence. So 
it is real and it's something that we need to talk about for everyone. That I wanted to kind of talk about all the great things that everybody has already shared and kind of recap and then talk about what the next steps are and why we should um, open up outside our home. And so, like everyone said, mental health is a crucial part of the, our overall health. Um, yet it's a topic that seems to be hushed a lot, you know, when we, when it comes up for discussion. And, and that's largely due to stigma that comes with mental health, especially in the Hispanic community. But the thing about stigma, it often prevents people from seeking treatment, which can further isolate them or worsen their conditions. And so in the Hispanic individuals may not seek treatment because they may not recognize the signs and symptoms of mental health conditions or know where to find help. So we talked about that when you go to your mom or you go to your family and say, hey, you know, I'm feeling a little depressed or I'm feeling a little not myself today. Um, how we're just kind of dismissed and and like, it's OK, you'll get over it. It'll be fine. And so really. Um, trying to, to help people see that, that this is a conversation that needs to be had. And so when we talk about the stigmas around sharing um, your symptoms, typically people in the Hispanic community are often very private and may, they may not want to talk publicly about the challenges at, at home. And this can lead to a lack of information or continued stigma in the mental health community um, because we, we think that it's something that we shouldn't talk about, but because we don't talk about, we don't get the information to share with our, our loved ones, our children, our parents. Um, many of you may be familiar with um, this the phrase, la ropa sucia se lava en casa, right? Which is, you don't air your dirty laundry in public. You keep that in the house. And so if you're not talking about it, with other people and you're only talking about it at home and people at home don't really know what to do with it, your symptoms aren't really being addressed. And so we tend to not talk about our feelings as a community as a whole. And one step further than that, Latinas are expected to take care of their family instead of taking care of themselves first. And so self-care isn't even something that's brought up because we, our job is to take care of the family, right? So some people um, don't seek mental treatment for mental illness um, out of fear of being labeled. And so we've talked about that, you know, that they don't want to be like labeled as locals or, or bring shame to the family or unwanted attention to their families. And so they're more likely to turn to a family or friends when they have problems or feel anxious or depressed. Um, They're also more likely to consult people from their church that we, we talked about previously. Some of the, some of the um, previous speakers brought that up or a local healer. And what we know is that faith, the faith community can be such a, a source of stress. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, of strength that we did talk about, but it also can can um, be a source of, of distress because those communities aren't well informed about mental illness. And so they may give bad advice or they may give 
advice, well-meaning advice that isn't adequate for the level of need that they have. And so we have to be very careful with, you know, when people come to us, you know, what advice is given in the community. And so what their belief system is at that point. So one of the things that we, we talked about some of the speakers talked about was the barriers and and there's a lot of barriers for the hispanic community to receive mental health services and in the hispanic community the vulnerability to mental illness is the same as the general public but they're receiving less care and they face dis, um, disparities in both access and quality of treatment so that was something that, that was brought up too, that there aren't a lot of Spanish speaking practitioners and beyond Spanish speaking, um, people that understand the culture. So we take a bigger look, more than half of the Hispanic young adults ages 18 to 25 with serious mental illness are not receiving treatment. Half of them are not receiving treatment. And this puts the community at higher risk and exacerbates their conditions and and makes their symptoms worse. And so why do why are people not receiving help? You know, we talked about both the access and the quality. Language can make communicating with providers very difficult. And people if parents don't speak English, then they don't feel comfortable taking their child to get services because they don't know really what's going on. And there's a difference between understanding the language and understanding the culture. And I think that that is very relevant because I had somebody tell me a story about someone who needed Spanish speaking clinician. They went to the sessions and they weren't effective and they came back and they said, yeah, they spoke Spanish, but they really didn't understand the culture because they weren't Hispanic. So they didn't know what I was talking about. So one example could be um, someone might describe that they're feeling um, like me duele el corazón. While this literally means my heart hurts, it's an expression of emotional distress. It's not that their chest hurts and that um, they need help from a, a, a doctor about chest pains. Um, for immigrant, immigrants who arrive undocumented, this is a fear that they don't seek services because they're afraid they're going to get deported or reported. And one of the things that many don't realize is that their children typically are eligible for health insurance under the Affordable Care Act. So they may not know about the eligibility or they're afraid to register due to the fear of separation from their kids. So there's a lot of barriers that prevent people from wanting to um, seek out help. And understanding the culture, I think, is, is the biggest thing, like we talked about earlier, is um, as Latinos, we have a very strong family network and family support can help alleviate the stigma of mental, mental disorders. But um, it can also prevent us from going forward. So there's a significant disconnect between American models of psychotherapy 
and the needs and values of the Hispanic community. So when you think about all the models, which are usually Eurocentric, they have a strong emphasis on individual traits and independence, um, while the Hispanic community culture value, you know, values family, unity, loyalty to friends and family, and one's role in the community. So it's kind of counterintuitive when you go to see a counselor and um, they're really trying to help you to be independent and, and find your voice and, and, um, and your belief is like, I, ha I have this loyalty to my family and I have this loyalty to um, my community. And so that's not something that seems to be um, co cohesive. So in general, the Hispanic community doesn't talk about mental health issues and many do not seek treatment because they don't recognize the signs and symptoms of mental health conditions such as depression, anxiety. So we talked about that a little bit too, is that when you're, when you're feeling bad, then you'll get over it. It'll be okay. So the relationship in, and communication between a person in the mental health profession and the client is the key aspect for healing. And many Hispanics do not know that mental health information is confidential and cannot be shared with anyone without the parent, the patient's consent. And so that's one of the things that I find um, typically is that a lot of people don't understand that we are obligated to keep their information confidential and that we cannot report them. We can't report them to um, that they're not documented. We can't share with their family. We can't, we can't share any of that information with anybody that they may feel will then know about what's going on. But on the flip side of that, we want to encourage the client to come in with their family, with their spouse, and so that they can better understand what's going on so that they can support the client as they're going through treatment. So I want to leave you guys with five main points of why it's important to talk about mental health um, outside of the family. So the first one is to co combat that mental health stigma that we see. So for example, um, some of us might avoid talking about mental health problems or we're worried about facing discrimination for it uh, or being treated differently by our loved ones in our community. But talking openly about mental health issues, including mental illness, can help break those barriers. So discussion helps us understand how common mental, mental illness is um, and provides us opportunities to correct those misconceptions and feel better about asking for help. So really being able to kind of break that stigma of what mental illness is and understanding that mental illness and men, men, good mental health are two different things, right? And so the second point is to understand that you're not alone. And I think this is a huge one because a lot of times when we're suffering independently, we're not really um, understanding that we're not alone in this and that this is something that's common and that a lot of people in the world um, are struggling with mental illness too. 
um, one in five adults in the U.S. or almost 47 million individuals live with mental illness. And so that's a lot of people for you to feel alone or that you're, you have to go through this by yourself. Um, I've worked a lot with victims of domestic violence and for them to be able to, to meet other survivors and hear how they have similar stories and that they're not going through this by themselves or not crazy for feeling the way they do is huge. Um, that's why group is so effective because knowing that you're not alone in this journey and that other people can relate to what you've been through, what you're going through, how you're feeling, the symptoms that you're experiencing helps it to normal be normalized. Um, if we talk more about mental health, it could mean more of us can seek treatment. And being diagnosed with mental health disorder um, isn't, isn't a bad thing. It just makes it, um, it helps you understand what's really going on. So the third thing I want to talk about is um, talking about it outside um, will help to encourage care and support. And so although mental health disorders are increasing, not everyone um, seeks treatment for, for it that we talked about. There's a lot of people that don't. And so talking about mental health in general encourages us to seek treatment, especially once we realize that we're not alone. Millions of adults live with mental health issues in the U.S. And the more we talk about it, the more likely we'll feel comfortable seeking care and support. So we have to normalize it. I think that we're doing a better job of being more open about it. But in the Hispanic community, there's still a huge um, gap in, in our feeling comfortable talking about it and normalizing it. The fourth one is really serious because it's it. the more you talk about it outside the home, the likelihood of lowering the risk of suicide. And so suicide is the leading cause of death in the United States. And so more than 50,000 people in the U.S. completed suicide, including many, many, many young people. So among those between 10 and 34 years old, suicide was the second leading cause of fatalities. And here, I don't know how it is in the rest of the country, but here in DFW, we have seen a rise in adolescents that are completing suicides. And it is unfortunate. And if we talked more about it and we had more honest discussions, then we would be able to help them see that they're not alone in this process and, and hopefully stop not just the completions, but the attempts because the help is there. So we need to break the, the stigma surrounding mental health so people feel more comfortable coming to us and talking about it so that they can be encouraged and not, you know try to work through those feelings of suicide or dealing with the severe mental illness um, without reaching out for help. And the last the last point I want to make um, is to maintain good mental health. 
that's why we talk about it outside of our home because mental illness isn't the only aspect of mental health like we talked about. Discussing mental health overall can help encourage us maintain our mental well-being on a regular basis. So it, it can start with um, self-care and take like really recognizing when we're feeling overwhelmed or um, we have too much on our plate. And that's where it all starts. And then recognizing when our symptoms are getting a little bit out of control. And we probably need to get some professional help to help us kind of realign and, and talk about it. And when we talk about counseling, we always say that this counseling isn't just for people with severe mental illness. It's to help you become the best version of yourself. And so going to someone to help sort through those feelings and learn how to, to develop skills to um, cope when you're overwhelmed is nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually a strength that you bring to the table so that um, you can be a better parent, a better partner, a better employee. And that's what we all want is to be better um, for ourselves and for others, right? So maintaining good, sound um, mental well-being is a, an important part of staying healthy overall, enjoying and improved quality of life. So talking about mental health helps to improve communities by helping um, members maintain positive mental health. And a community of people with good mental health creates a more productive and collaborative environment. So when you think about what that means, it's like we want to make sure that um, the community is healthy and the community is doing well, but that starts in the home, that starts with the families, that starts with the neighbors, the friends, and then bringing it out to the community. So I think overall, we're going to be wrapping it up, but I think overall, I wanted you guys to walk around away with those five points to know that it's really important that that we break the stigma, that we understand the barriers and try to break down those barriers and that we try to normalize mental health and so that people feel comfortable talking about it outside the home and are able to um, seek the help when they need it without any shame or guilt brought onto themselves or their families. So I guess one of the last things I want to, I want to talk about before we run out of time, we have a couple minutes is um, really how do we, how do we encourage the community? We talked about um, the, how a lot of people just kind of go to their church or go to their friends and don't understand it. And I think it's important as, as, as practitioners and professionals that we encourage um, people to come out and do workshops and talk about um, what is mental health and how does it help you? And understanding that there are cultural barriers that are going to, they're going to, stop us from, from moving forward, but to reach, to seek help. But at the end, you know, if, if they're open-minded and are able to um, really 
see that there is help and that we want the best for ourselves and our family, then, then it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to see that things are going to be a little bit different than maybe what the beliefs you grew up with. Um, there's going to be opportunities to um, not just empower yourself, but empower your families. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, uh, Dr. Uh, really, really appreciate uh, the insights that you gave us and uh, the five uh, points there. And also something that you touched upon in the, in the early on in your, your talk about cultural competency, um, so important. That's actually one of the things that I focus on as it relates <laughs> to my career in leadership uh, training that uh, culturally relevant. So uh, thank you very much. And, you know, the other thing too, uh, Rocio, that I'm loving is in the comments, there's a lot of um, uh, important comments going back and forth, but also some networking and sharing some yeah. resources, some additional readings, books, et cetera, and so forth. And that's also, I think, the benefit of doing an event like this uh, through LinkedIn Live is that, you know, you you help foster uh, networking and, and just, uh, spreading the word out. So, Oscar, me encanta la conversación. I really love the conversation. The fact that people are going back and forth, that people are sharing. Hey, you know what? I haven't meditated. I'm not good at meditating. You know, maybe you know Lasaro who said, "I I go after that next tamal." You know, finding ways to <laughs> communicate. Oye, me, ya me dieron que me ya me hicieron que me que me diera hambre aquí, <laughs> and I'm just loving it. And it, you know, going back to Dr. Letty and having that conversation that we're not alone. Porque siempre creemos que estamos solos, right? Like we think we're the True. only person that's going through it and there's like so much shame and there may be feel like, sabes que there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. We are human beings having a human experience. Y todos go, we all go through our own things at different phases in our life and we don't need to go through it by ourselves. You know, vamos a ser honestos, you know, how much time do we reach out to each other, even as, as partners? Y como podemos tener esa conversación with each other? So let's go ahead and bring everyone back in. We're going to have a final moment with our amazing, amazing speakers. Thank you so much for contributing to the conversation. You know, teniendo esa conversación auténtica with everyone. And we would love to to hear one final thing from, one final takeaway, one tip. Yes, no, thank you again very much. And uh, you know, why don't, um, why don't we just start off here? I'll, I'll just, um, uh, Adriana, just one last final takeaway uh, that you want to leave us with. Any thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for uh, doing this. And uh, I suppose that the final takeaway would be that we do need to, as practitioners, as clinicians, as, um, you know, leaders in the community to go out there and do the workshops and, you know, do the presentation and do this kind of, uh, have this kind of platform, because the more we talk about it, the better we are. We're all for it. So thank you for everyone. Everyone did magnificent, amazing, and um, yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank next you. up, uh, Ilan, I think you'll need to unmute yourself. <laughs> I think the, the biggest takeaway is that when we want to see generational change, the, start, the change starts within us. And when we start to do our own work, like naturally our children will start doing the work and their children oh. will have, and it changes a whole, it changes our whole culture when we start doing the work for ourselves and being the ones to not be afraid to step out. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. So well said. I love that. Yeah, if you course. want generational stage, it starts with us. Thank you very much, Hilda. Uh, Doctora Leti. I think um, just understanding that there's so much more than just knowing the language, but understanding the culture and how that impacts all of us. And whether it's a child, adult, or even, you know, with Dr. Sergio's talk about men, like everybody has a different um, experience and, and belief. And it's our job to kind of help them navigate that to be healthy and the best versions of themselves. Yes, thank you, thank you. And uh, Dr. Alisette. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for putting this on. This is such a needed event and I, I loved all the participation, everyone here. Thank you, thank you again. Um, my biggest takeaway, and I think just from hearing everyone as well, is you know, therapy is for everyone. When we talk about doing that growth, doing that change, challenging yourself, uh, finding a therapist who's a good fit for you, who has is culturally sensitive, not just the language, you know, as other are my colleagues were mentioning, you know, therapy is for everyone and finding that right fit is so important. And so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, thank you very Beautiful. much. Thank you. And uh, Dr. Sergio. Well, um, thank you so much. It's so rich, all this conversation. And thinking of just a, one one takeaway is like, I don't know, I'm sure if I have like 10, I would like to mention. Mm -hmm. Okay, just for, for the time, of course. Uh, I will say that the, um, in contemplative medicine, one of the uh, pillars of, that, of, of these teachings is, is about self-care. And self-care mm -hmm. is the way we take care of others. Mm -hmm. Whatever... And it's in the meditation, it was on one of my intents to, to from, we start with us and we end with us. Mm -hmm. And if we need a psychiatrist, we go for psychiatrist. We need Reiki, we go for Reiki. A massage, massage can be amazing for many, many people. And it's part of your whole mental health. And yes, I, I mean, now in the, in the posadas and all the parties are coming, just, you know, remind yourself like you, we are conscious beings. We're smart, we're intelligent, and we can transmit that with everybody around us. So, yeah, eat well and and drink uh, moderate, moderadamente, moderadamente. Moderadamente, yes, thank yes. you, thank you. And uh, Angelica, you're not going to get away here, okay? You probably thought ¿verdad? I was calling you. Yes, yes. I know. I know her. But uh, uh -oh. Angelica, thank you. First of all, thank you again uh, very much for all the behind the scenes work. It's you know. You know, you're, you're probably today we're like an octopus, you know, with multiple hands all over the place, bringing people on, mm -hmm. taking them off and making it run very smoothly. So thank you very much. But um, let's hear from you. Any, any final thoughts from you as well? Oh, thank you for putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, thank you to all our speakers and our hosts, of course. And I, I think everyone's um, I. I know it's a good session when I when I, there's all the bobbleheads and I see all your guys' heads going back, up and down. And so that's always a good sign. But also, um, I think a common theme here is that the change begins with you. And that's a scary thought that you, your mental health could, you can see that as a problem, but you're also the solution. And that's very empowering. And so with that in, in mind, um, you have yourself and you're not alone and you're your own solution. And that change may be scary, but you know, it's, it's, it, you, you are your hope. And so thank you all for your words of wisdom and especially around these holidays. 
Yes. No, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And again, Rocio, thank you very much uh, for you helping, so you know, put this together. And to all the speakers, you did a phenomenal job. Uh, thank you, everyone, for participating in this event. From my standpoint, uh, hey, Merry Christmas, because I celebrate Christmas, okay? Um, I'm still accepting presents even after Christmas, okay? I, I, I los Santos Reyes, okay? Celebramos todo el año. Yes. So... Anyway, thank you everyone for joining us. And again, do have have very happy holidays and happy new year. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspidaconsulting.com.